A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Tilford. And only Josh Brown, because everyone else is ill or off or not able to make it into the office. How's Josh Brown doing, though? I'm doing all right. I'm not ill, and I can make it into the office, so <laughs> I'm I'm doing fine this morning, Scott, thankfully. Me, too. Uh, this is a bit of a, a bit of a follow-on from The Wind-Up. If you're not already listening to The Wind-Up, that's me and Josh's Monday slot, where we argue about stuff, where we try to have a big old... We ended up debating for, what, 15 minutes over the state of animation in <laughs> things, and whether Spider-Man was actually a Marvel movie or a Sony movie. It feels like a long time ago, to be honest. This will be going out on the Wednesday. We had a big old debate on Monday and every Monday, to be honest. Um, but for the main podcast, I thought we'd talk about the big leak over on X-Fire put together by Tom Henderson, um, who's known as a Battlefield Call of Duty leaker. It's kind of becoming more of a overall video game leaker Um just getting out there and just saying that there was this delayed Ubisoft event, an Ubisoft Forward event, which is their live streamy type thing. It's kind of their version of a Nintendo Direct. And um, there was apparently meant to be going ahead very soon. It was meant to be definitely before E3, um, which is obviously coming later in uh, June. Um, but everything's been pushed back because of the ongoing global events, the ongoing stuff with Ukraine and Russia, etc. And so um, he's just got out there and said, look, here's information on 20 games um, that Ubisoft are either about to announce or they already have announced. Here's some updated info on each of them. So I just thought we'd break down the biggest ones in that report because there are there are some things in here that haven't been announced yet, um, like a new Prince of Persia game, um, and there's there's updates on a whole um, on everything else that they've got in production. So um, I've tried to condense everything. I don't have all twenty because some of them are mobile titles, so I've just gone with the biggest things, yeah, um, and the ones that are the most fun to talk about. So um, we should talk about um, Assassin's Creed Rift, uh, which is the more uh, apparently more linear return to Assassin's Creed. Not necessarily that Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed was ever linear, but that franchise has bloated the f out since uh, Origins and Odyssey and everything. And um, this is the game where you play as Basim who's a character who was brought in in Odyssey, I think? Um, First? Ooh, really? He's not in Origins, I don't think. I can't remember now. Either way, Basim is definitely in Valhalla anyway. So yes. was, they were going to do, initially they were going to do Valhalla DLC and this has turned into a full Assassin's Creed game. The release date is penciled in for 2022 to uh, 2023. Um, and it's apparently, it's meant as a, a bridge between um, like now and Assassin's Creed Infinity, which uh, actually, I'll throw in Assassin's Creed yes, Infinity as do. well. And we can talk about all the Creed stuff because uh, Ubisoft are planning Assassin's Creed Infinity which I quote from Henderson's report, will tie all the future Assassin's Creed titles together into a live service, and it's being developed by several Ubisoft studios, including Montreal and Quebec. Um, it's Apparently, it's the most ambitious thing they've done. Um, the Animus will reportedly play a huge role in this hub for Assassin's Creed games. Uh, with it, players can be transported into any time setting they like with additional settings and content to be added throughout the years to come. This sounds like it'll never end. That is a lot of Assassin's Creed. Man. It is a bit. You mentioned there about Assassin's Creed kind of becoming this big bloated 
thing. And yes. I look at that um, Assassin's Creed Infinity and I look at how big and how ambitious that thing is going <laughs> to be. And it makes me scared, Scott, because mm. Assassin's Creed being a live service is one thing. It being this platform for content where you can jump around different time periods, as Tom Henderson writes there. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of sounds exciting, but also that's a huge project you've got oh yeah with those two studios you must have like close to a thousand if not more developers on this game well like, do you remember when um, when assassin's creed unity was coming out or, or came out and it was revealed that it was like 24 or 25 ubisoft studios worked on that game right, and obviously yeah. unity was an entire tire fire but like that whole thing of ubisoft going like let's put all the eggs in one basket like obviously there's a lot of games we're going to talk about here but assassin's creed still feels like their big golden goose thing it still feels like that's what they're like focusing the most on in what uh, right look at okay this this transformation it, it might turn out well but i'm just kind of looking at it and thinking why now like why mm. are you changing the formula now like i don't love the formula that they have with valhalla or see origins and what have you mm. those games are selling well it's yeah. not like a unity kind of situation where the annualization sort of hit a peak and they needed to reinvent themselves mm. for my money and from what i can tell from the sales figures and stuff you know people are still enjoying the current iteration of assassin's creed mm-hmm. and to me this is them just kind of wanting more perhaps well the thing that's like, really weird we make this a platform and add microtransactions even more so than we do well, it feels like Valhalla's kind of become its own little platform because they, like, they're still doing a whole bunch of DLC for that game alongside. Because, like I said, this this um, Rift thing started as DLC. This is going to become a full game, but they did. They are doing another season of content. Um, Dawn of Ragnarok, I think it's called. Yeah. And um, so they're doing all that stuff. But it's it's really weird. I can't imagine. Maybe maybe the kids are just so different to us. But I can't imagine playing the same game that much, like for years and years and years. Well, like, I mean, I know that we get like similar titles. You can maybe make the case that Elden Ring is quite similar mechanically to a Dark Souls or something, but literally to be playing the same set of mechanics to the core over and over again. Like to the point where, you know, like if you if you um, dedicated yourself to as much Assassin's Creed content as they're putting out, you would only ever play Assassin's Creed. And yeah. it's like you would go from Origins into Odyssey, into Valhalla, into the DLC, into inf- into um, Rift, into Infinity, and, you, and they want you to just sit there playing the same thing forever with different stories being plugged in. It depends how they do it for me mm. because I fully agree that there's no way that I could play, you know, Odyssey Origins Valhalla back to back. I could barely get through Valhalla by the end because it was just kind of so repetitive. Mm -hmm. However, I do think there is something in kind of having this hub that they can plug different sort of timelines into or different time periods. Maybe they finally do Japan. Maybe they finally do. To me, that is fascinating. and Mm. It's all in the execution. It's how bloated those experiences feel that are being plugged in. If things are kind of like maybe more focused, maybe tighter, uh, maybe the content's tighter, more focused and to me that might alleviate the problem Mm. of just playing the same thing over and over again maybe this allows them to get away from just having them do the copy paste side mission design of you know yeah this castle you know do this side mission Mm -hmm. and it all just feels the same over 70 hours nothing changes hopefully if in my you know utopian view of this project (laughs) what i want assassin's creed infinity to be is a place where they can plug in tighter campaigns that more resemble the older Assassin's yeah, Creed man. games. Well, uh, I, think, like, I love um, Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry. I really like Liberation. I like the, mm. the attempts they've done before to go, like, here's one character for, like, a three, like, a four, five-hour game, nice and tight, nice little, like, you know, amount of story, enough drive to see it through, and, and it obviously plays off the best parts of the gameplay. Like, that's why Freedom Cry was a nice little bite-sized Assassin's Creed to go back to if 
you've not played it. Um, like I played that a few like a few years ago. Like but having not played a regular Assassin's Creed in so long, um, other than the like Origins into Odyssey, whatever. Like I played all those ones, but for a traditional Assassin's Creed, I think that they do have a way to do that stuff where it's like here's a nice little story or whatever. Um, it'll depend on the pricing. I guess it'll depend on the way that it feels overall, whether it feels money grubby or not. Um, but the, considering where Valhalla ends, like you've got Northern North back in, you've got the Reader, you've got this weird cosmological entity who's just gonna set, like who's just gonna dip into different timelines um, under the proviso that he's trying to find the perfect timeline or whatever the hell that story thing was. But that lets them go. Well, we'll do this for as long as it makes sense. Yeah. And then this is this is the full timeline, and then we go. Then we reboot it again, and we do everything <laughs> else all over again. In. Uh, one positive that I think might come out of this is that they hopefully won't waste time periods anymore because mm. for as many Assassin's Creed games as there have been over the past few years, mm-hmm. there have there have been some time periods that I think have just kind of been underutilized. You know, you mentioned mm. uh, Unity's sandbox. You know, for me, that was great. You, you look at uh, uh, London in mm. Assassin's Creed Syndicate. And these games got... Uh, these these locations got a game each, uh, but I always felt like there was more you could do with those areas in the same way that you kind of like stayed in the same time period for Assassin's Creed 2, Brotherhood, uh, Revelations mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, that was not always the same map, but it was expanding the same time period, the same kind of aesthetic, the same feel, uh, often the same country and mm-hmm. stuff. Sometimes the same city. I, th- I hope to see that in Infinity. I hope to see older um, time periods return and then be fleshed out a little bit or kind of given a yeah. makeover. I hope they do. If they go back to certain time periods, I hope that we don't just get, like like I said, that same like set of mechanics each time on something new. Yeah. I remember that everyone laughing at the time, including like me, when they did Assassin's Creed Revelations and it was like the new thing was just a hook. Yeah. It was just sort of, oh, Altair's got a hook now and like that's the thing. And um, and I, I hope that they, you know, if they're going to flesh out the environmental um, variety that they start doing, like, well, this game has a this cool weapon that you can't get anywhere else or whatever. Just do something different. I like the idea of a, a rotating, you know, band of Assassin's Creed stories and characters and whatever. If they're if it's tight enough, um, I feel like Ubisoft has become so synonymous with bloat, and I hope they don't start just giving us massively bloated spaces over and over again. Well, because that's what that's what they've been doing. Well, I mean, you know, putting my cynical hat on for a second, <laughs> I just I, I see that being the result of this because you've got two of these, like I said, you know, you got two of these huge studios working on this one game. Mm-hmm. How can that not be bloated? How can they not all be wanting to get their ideas in there? True. Yeah, to me, it's just, it's what you said at the beginning, it's putting all the eggs in a basket, and I just don't trust Ubisoft to make a good meal with those eggs. Speaking of making a good meal with some eggs, how do you feel about Ghost Recon Frontline, a oh. battle royale? Let me, let, me, let me quote something from this report. Uh, apparently, uh, Ubisoft would like this to be their primary vehicle for NFT usage. Um, and Ubisoft plans to integrate NFTs on a much bigger scale than anything previously. The current release date is unknown. And my gut says that actually this won't make it out because of how much people hated Frontline. Um, but of course, uh, according to uh, Henderson, um, yeah, they, they want that, this thing to be NFT AF. You know in Harry Potter where like you see Voldemort <laughs> in that kind of like nether realm where he's like all like a shrinkled fetus, like he's dead. Yeah, a shrinkled fetus. Yeah, that's what this shrinkled. makes me kind of feel like on the inside. Yeah. I love Ghost Recon, man. I think the Ghost Recon franchise is well overdue, you know, a big return to form. Mm. I, I even like Ghost Recon Wildlands where they try to reinvent the formula there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That franchise for me has always had a like a soft spot in my heart. So to see it go uh 
uh, battle royale to mm. see it be this platform for NFTs. It's just why Ubisoft? <laughs> why are you doing this? I I'm, thought. Sorry, to no, go no, on, do I it. just thought with Ubisoft, man. Like when they, um, you know, when the reports came out, uh, not only about all of the horrific allegations, you know, abuse mm. allegations that were going on, mm-hmm. but from the creative standpoint as well, where they were talking about uh, how you know there was a bunch of guys there, kind of pushing for um, the same set of mechanics in each game. You yep. know, a, a formula. I thought when that formula left, same, they would stop doing something it. Something interesting would replace it, but what's replaced it? I it seems from what they've already announced <laughs> and these leaks is just like if an intense focus on live services. And honestly, mm. I'd prefer the formula. I actually want the formula oh. back. If it's, if it's between live service NFTs, Scott Tilford. I well, that's not. I, I mean, want the crap formula, formula back. The thing is, like in regards to the brand, Ghost Recon to me hasn't felt like Ghost Recon in a long time. Like my my touchstone, my reference point for Ghost Recon is Advanced Warfighter. Um, and I like Future Soldier. I like the things when they started fleshing out the, the third person stuff a bit more. But for me, Ghost Recon now just feels like the division. They feel like the exact same thing. Like and obviously, like Ghost Recon has a bit more of a tactical edge. You can kind of do. Squ- commands but they don't really do enough with it whatever and um, in regards to that ip feel for me ghost recon is lost like it, it's just gone like it would need a full reboot at this point and um, nfts reading this report was i i had a whole i was like nfts were a thing like <laughs> remember that like the start of this year they were everywhere every everyone from ozzy osborne to all the different game devs were like, oh we're doing nfts now guys and then everyone went can you not and they went oh, all right sorry yeah and i thought it just everyone backed off like there was that horrible interview between um jimmy fallon and, and uh, Paddings paris hilton and yes. And they're just showing yes. off the NFT monkeys they've bought, and Dystopian. it's like this is this is pure just this is like being in the Hunger Games <laughs> with like watching the the upper classes be completely disconnected. Um, but yeah, point being that I thought NFTs were done. If they're attempting to build a whole game around it, um, I guess there's precedent. Peter Molyneux making it work, like his weird little oh, is like, he making it work is very generous. He's making a lot of money. I mean, none I'm of it's sh- in actual cash. <laughs> it's all in weird <laughs> NFT currency, cryptocurrency. But um, yeah, the weird cyber hellscape that is cryptocurrency continues to apparently be a thing that someone. That Ubisoft believes in, and um, which is what Ghost Recon Frontline is going to be. So, Battle Royale NFT is that thing. Like I said, release date unknown. Um, but speaking of the Division, um, the Division Heartland is their free-to-play Division game, and um, which apparently is about to drop. Um, according to Henderson, it's almost ready to release, um, and he thinks it'll drop in the next few months. The release date is pencil between April and March. Uh, sorry, April 2022 to March 2023 at the most. Um, but he still thinks that it'll be mid 2022. Um, this also kind of feels like a typo, as soon as he said it'll come in the next few months. But whatever. Point being that they're doing a free-to-play Division now. I guess that ticks the box of third-person action military thing. Yeah, why I, not? I guess. I mean, you know, they they Ubisoft as a company said that they were all in on free-to-play mm. stuff now. So mm-hmm, if this is mm-hmm. their kind of first big attempt at that with a known franchise, like I won't be there for it. <laughs> but but someone might is is the thing. I I've, I've actually played a weird amount of the division. Like, I played a lot of Division One. Like Same. it's really repaired. I love cover systems. I love third person shooting. I just didn't like how basic it was. Like it was it was just take cover and take pot shots. It wasn't anything else. Like you didn't really doing you weren't really doing cool transitions between cover. You weren't doing like stealth kills over cover. Like it, it wasn't it didn't really use cover very well really other yeah. than the most basic way. And then Division Two was just more of that. And I feel like it, if that's what you want, like a, a loot shooter, cover shooter, it, it ticks that box so well. But that's all it ever is so i kind of want it to be a bit more fleshed out but at the same time i guess they know exactly what grind they're monetizing so it'll be more of that if anything you remove the entry fee and just give it to people and yeah. just go well here's infinite content i mean the one thing they did do uh, i think it's division two's dlc where they had that procedurally generated underground thing 
and it was really really cool. It was called oh. like the Subway DLC or something. I don't think I uh, ever saw that. It was really neat, and it was just like it's that whole idea of like taking uh, chunks of a map and having them like algorithmically generate an entire space, so you never get the same set of levels over and over again. Oh, cool. So you just you know you, it's like a dungeon crawl, but in like a military third person context. And I was like, this is kind of cool. This actually feels quite unique. Like the whole um, I feel you call the name of that. Is it the Dark Zone? Where uh, PvP yeah, just happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the sickest idea they've ever had. Yeah. Like Ubisoft have ever had. Like randomly go through a door to the middle of a city and all of a sudden you're just in a PvP area. Like that, that's brilliant. And like all the weird survival tactics you had to use. I still remember like taking cover in that area um, and hearing a band of people come down the road, like hearing them all talk to each other radially. Yeah. And just sort of like sitting there completely still going, like, well, I hope they don't see me. And, <laughs> and then thinking, like, that's just so cool that I'm like fearing for my life in this apocalyptic scenario. They didn't do anything with it after that, but no, it was really but it was cool. A, it was a neat idea. I, I idea. wonder if it's going to be implemented uh, in a big way in this free-to-play mm. game because if you like, it would be cool to properly mesh those worlds. Mm-hmm. I think, um, especially in a more experimental title like this, you know that PvP element was so cool. Yeah. Like, I think anyone who played uh, the Division has a story like yours, yeah. you know, where you kind of have that memorable moment of being in this kind of uh, volatile, chaotic uh, situation where you're trying to get extract your stuff, but you real <laughs> human people trying to hunt you down. Like that's to me, that's the coolest spin on a battle royale. Esque mm. um, system than what uh, the Ghost Recon game is yeah. doing, um, in, in, my, in my opinion. I tell you uh, what, I miss uh, radial voice chat. This is a complete side point, but in like old, old like you know, like proximal voice chat where you want not necessarily opting into a voice chat. I get why they got rid of it because yeah. you're hearing horrible stuff online. 100%. But at the same time, if you were playing Spies versus Mercs back in the day, if you were a spy, you could get someone in a chokehold and then it would open the voice chat, so you'd be like "f you, f you, f you," and then you would kill them. <laughs> and it was great. And I like that was it. That's um, funny enough in Elden Ring. I must have some setting turned on right. that lets me hear people because I summoned a dude in to be a boss and I said to myself in my own head let's do like let's do this come on let's do it and the guy himself went come on man let's do it and I was just like <laughs> he, he can like he can speak and I could hear him and I haven't opted into anything but that's really cool I like right. hearing random people online I like that in theory but yeah. also I'm too embarrassed to speak so I always mute <laughs> everyone and when I even back in the day when I was younger playing Call of Duty 4 I would be so frightened if anyone talked to me that I would really? turn the game off I don't I don't want to I don't want to be about that life I I don't want to hear anyone. I don't want anyone to hear me. Anytime anyone uh, does any retrospective, like Nicky Jakey or whatever, does a big retrospective on the, the early days of Xbox Live, I do have nostalgia for that period. It right. was horrific yes. in regards to the things that people said. But at the same time, a lot of the trash talk, a lot of the lobby chat, like all like I said, all that radial stuff, um, there was a quality to that, I think, is the word quality is what that should be. <laughs> like they did enhance like competitive you know, gameplay. I thought that stuff was kind of cool. Nothing to do with anything that we're talking about, but I miss that. I want to yeah. get a guy in a chokehold and talk to him before I kill him. Just saying. <laughs> That I want to do that. Well, you could do that right now. Just you probably will get arrested for it. <laughs> yeah, you're not actually getting out of this room. The door yeah. is thank, locked. Thank you. Next <laughs> thing down is a Mortal's Phoenix Rising sequel. Um, apparently, this is just an early pre-production uh, from Ubisoft Quebec, and the release date's unknown. But um, Ubisoft were apparently really happy with the way the first game turned out. Now, I feel like I'm only one of five people who played this. Yeah. So, but it's really, really good, Josh Brown. I know this is the thing. Like, I, I'm sure this is music to your ear holes because you have been talking about and singing the praises of yeah. Mortal's Phoenix Rising for like a year and a half yep. now. Maybe. Better than any Assassin's Creed they've done since. That's- what, Black Flag? It's crazy. Though. No, it's not. It's scientifically insane. accurate. It's insane. It is, it's one of the best open world games ever. That is insane. With a bracket stuff. of like top 50. 
Top 50, that's a lot of games. Top 100? I respect that. That's it's getting worse. It's I was going to say top 20, and then I was like, nah, there's a lot of them in there. So it's got, no. it's got to be, it's higher than that. I do like the qualities that Immortal so Phoenix Rising brings to the table. You know, obviously, it's just very, very much inspired, uh, to put it politely, by mm. Breath of the Wild, obviously. Yes. Yes. But its approach to open world design, I prefer over the Assassin's Creed checklisting. There's a thing, week. like, it's not, this is a weird phrase, but there's something to be said about video games that are super playable. Yeah. They just go like they have a whole si- whole series of gameplay loops that all feed into each other, and you like you don't realize that you've lost about three, four hours, five hours, ten hours in a go because you're just doing you're just doing all these cool things, and you're not being sidetracked, and you're not being um you're not aware of like the treadmills that you're on because you're just enjoying it. Um, and the combat in, in Immortals is so enjoyable the way that they do like um light attacks and heavy attacks. One builds up the other, so you're always building up a special. You pull that off, and you're getting more gear. Um, you know, and you're always finding different puzzle dungeons. They're all really enjoyable to figure out. Physics based puzzles, just like Breath of the wild it just goes and it's so enjoyable and oh god i love them all so much um i think it's such a great game but like yeah i mean i guess for the sequel um they'll just do more of the same like that game you could tell what they were pulling from it was fortnite's art style with breath of the wild puzzles uh with big chunky over the top you know cartoony uh, art direction or anything so would you just that. want more of the same though or would you want something a little bit different it's weird because they've already done dlc they did three dlc packs one of them just ripped off hades they were like what if we uh, distance the camera and make it look like hades and it was like guys this isn't you can't this isn't how Hades works um but they try to do that so they've done more of the same in the DLC I would assume and hope that they do more abilities um because they brought in more character abilities in the DLC anyway so um yeah I mean I guess it is one of those it's it's such an enjoyable set of mechanics that I think you can just kind of apply it to a bunch of other places yeah um, but one of the things that I love the most is that the um character abilities you unlock do feel like actual abilities and one pet peeve I have is always if a game is like plus five percent damage plus whatever I hate that stuff yeah. give me actual abilities um, and immortals every single thing you get is a, an actual ability um, so more of that more actual video game abilities I hate everything that you just described there that you, you hate mean? as well no no, oh, no, 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 no. Right. sorry I phrased that incredibly <laughs> poor I, I love I, 5% I, damage buffs <laughs> no I, 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 I hate that 5% kind of just yeah. meaningless um, kind of like attrition when it comes to leveling up your character it's the same with uh, not to keep ragging on Valhalla but like the skill <laughs> system in that game is like crazy there mm. are so many upgrade paths and upgrades you can get, but it's all just, you know, 2% of this, 2% of that, you know, 0.5% vigor, whatever it is. Whereas, like, in Immortals, I'm putting a point into a thing, and now I can summon a whole bunch of spears out the ground yes. to spear a guy in midair. Which, and that's then, what I want. And every time, every single time you finish a group of enemies, they fly off into the sunset like Team Rocket. That's and awesome. it's just like, why is more games not got that? They, that like, should be... Okay, we've, we've got flying off into the sunset like <laughs> Team Rocket. We've got <laughs> the karaoke from Sleeping Dogs. And... The mobile phone from GTA Five or IMO. I think you need that. You, know, you mean they're the three best mechanics in in gaming history? Yes. Fair enough. I think. Remember, the, I saw Jason try to tweet this. Remember the time when every game had a mini phone? Yeah. Going back to GTA yeah. Five, I was like, remember this? Aye. Trying to like use a little diddy little phone when you're trying to drive around on the D pad. <laughs> Terrible. No one, no one does that these days. I liked in GTA Five online. Maybe mm. in the campaign too, I can't remember. But when you had money in your account, you had to put it in the bank. I love that. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Why do you like that? It was fun. Let me go to the bank in a game. I hate that. Why would I want to do... Why do I want to manage my account to a game? That's the, that's the plus 5% thing. No, that's more, that's, a, that's a funnier plus 5%. Did you thing. play the stock market in GTA 5? I don't know anything about the stock market, right. so I did not do No, me that. neither. I remember at the start of the game when it's like, hey, by the way, you can trade. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to touch no. that. No. Inflation. All. Who's that? I don't need that in my life. Next Ubisoft thing is Beyond Good and Evil 2, a game that I swear barely exists. But yeah. um, according to uh, Tenders Henderson, he says, Beyond Good and Evil 2 now lies in the Ubisoft category of we've spent too much time on it and we can't give up now. Um, he says 
that they, he wouldn't be expecting to hear very, uh, much about the game for a while. The release date is just TBA. Um, but like he says, they've invested so much money and time and marketing into it. So I guess it's going to be something. But Michel Ancel isn't there anymore. Like the the initial team that were working on it didn't yeah. even know it was in production until they saw the teaser for it in the first place. And yeah. then they left anyway. So... Who knows? Here's the question, Scott. You Go mentioned on. that, and Tom Henderson also mentioned that, you know, they spent a lot Henderson. of money on the old marketing, on the old development. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Have they though? Have, <laughs> have they? Is this game real? Is this well, game real or is it a get-rich-quick scheme, scheme and or a money laundering well, uh, enterprise? This thing, I maintain, only exists because they needed to stave off hostile acquisition from Vivendi back in 2015, 2016, right. because they were about to be bought out by Vivendi and they needed to prove that they had enough projects in the works that they couldn't be t- just literally taken over. That's why they did that weird E3 thing where they came out and they all hugged each other and they said, we're a family. And it was all like, don't break up this family, guys. Right. Like, we've got all these projects in the works. And that was when they greenlit Beyond Good and Evil 2 to be like, hey, look, we're satisfying the fans. We've got all these things going on, guys. You can't take us, you can't interrupt this now. Um, you know, you'd break everything. You can't do whatever. And that's where that came from. Like, I massively believe that. I know that was doing the rounds at the time, but that's it's just this weird husk, this weird ghost of a thing yeah. that you know was sort of greenlit to stave off the acquisition thing. Because then Vivendi went, "Oh, you're right. We can't. We can't possibly do anything now." Oh man! And like, that just left this weird CG trailer and this. Did you see the game engine demo they did? Yes, I did. Yeah. And it's like, what even was that? It was like a flying monkey in a spaceship and nothing else. I mean, just going back to what you said there about like the kind of display of oh, we're we're a family here at Ubisoft. Like yeah. that's that's so gross. And oh, dude, like, yeah. Yep. Everything that came out, you know, last year, all the allegations of that studio, like that, I, I forgot all about that. That just makes it oh, <laughs> icky. Like, oh man, I just, I just hope they're continuing to do, you know, the behind the scenes uh, work to yeah. kind of make that workplace uh, live up to that 
you know fabrication that they put on stage mm. like that's 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 crazy but when it comes to like uh, beyond good and evil itself like i just honestly man i just don't believe it's a thing and also <laughs> i don't uh, know who is even going to be the audience for it at this no. point you know it's been so long a the sequel original, to a game from 2003 exactly uh, you know the original is this cult classic from Almost 20 years ago at this Which point. Which infamously didn't sell in the first place. Yeah, it didn't sell. Like you said, you know, the original team, one, didn't know they were working on it. Mm. Uh, the, the original creators aren't working on it anymore. Like, who is this for? Who wants to make this game? If there are people at Ubisoft who, who are really passionate about it, that's that's awesome. I hope it is good. Mm-hmm. But for outside looking in, it's just like, there's, I, I feel like there was a time where you could have just pulled the plug on it. You could yeah. have just cancelled it. And, and it wouldn't have even, it, it wasn't a Last Guardian. It wasn't, you know, uh, even like a Shenmue 3 or something. Borderlands 3. Yeah, <laughs> Borderlands 3. It just, it, to me, it just doesn't have that cultural pull. No, no, not at all. I mean, the thing is that when they started talking about it as well, like, obviously, the, that's the thing. I said, you know, it didn't sell in the first place. That wasn't a, a marker of its quality. The original no. Beyond Good and Evil, I'd still totally recommend. It actually plays, I feel like I say this every week, it plays really well on Backwards Compatible on Series <laughs> X, because it does. That game is gorgeous, um, and a really good sort of Zelda-influenced, you know, platform with so much character. Even the um, the Mamago Garage song, which I know 10 people will know what that is, that's such a bop. I'm just right. saying. The Mamago Garage song is such a bop. Anyway, um, Beyond Good and Evil is very much worth playing, but in an action platformer sense or whatever. Beyond Good and Evil 2, it felt like they were trying to rival No Man's Sky. They were like, oh, it's this big open space thing where you've got a ship and you're going to go to all these different planets and uh, you will be you can get out the ship and you can explore. And that was the monkey demo they showed where he's flying around. And I know that they have a leftover No Man's Sky style project that never got off the ground. Like, really? there's a teaser for it inside Watch Dogs 2. Okay. Um, and they were, um, Ubisoft at all times are, are like uh, prototyping stuff that might contend with something that might take off. So they'd apparently like prototype this No Man's Sky type thing. Um, which there's a teaser for it inside Watch Dogs 2. They deleted the teaser um, after No Man's Sky bombed because they were right. like, what do you mean? We were never going to do this because <laughs> No Man's Sky was like public, public enemy number one back in 2015. Um, but I think they bolted that tech onto Beyond Good and Evil 2 and went, this is what Beyond Good and Evil 2 is. Yeah. Um, and so whatever. But like my overall point is that the vague idea of this space-faring Beyond Good and Evil thing kind of relates to one, but not really. Yeah. Um, and then like in the teaser thing, like when I was thinking about the spending money on the marketing, they had that full CG reveal of Jade. Uh, whatever. Let's uh, let's move on from no, Beyond no, Good and no. Evil 2. No, no, no. It's fascinating, man. Because is it's it? one of those, I think it is. It's one of those, you know, uh, mythical whales of like the video game industry, isn't it? And if it ever comes out, it's it's like it's definitely harpooned. Yeah. It certainly is. It's hey. one of those games that if it, even if it comes out right, there's no there's no way there's no way that that lives up to whoever's been looking forward to it for twenty years. Like there's no way that thing lives up to expectations yeah. in the current Ubisoft creative um, formula. To me, it's kind of. It's it's like looking it's like Splinter Cell. It's like you know Ooh. wanting a new Splinter Cell, but knowing deep down that where Ubisoft is creatively as a company wouldn't do it justice how you want it. Like you look at these games that they've announced mm. so far: Battle Royales, free to play, yeah. NFT, uh, live services. And it's like, how do old school franchises like Splinter Cell, like Beyond Good and Evil, even fit in that mold? And I think that's why something like this is just taking so long and is clearly not a priority. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, the thing is, uh, well, yeah, this is a good segue because Splinter Cell is the next thing I had down. Ah. The Splinter Cell remake, um, obviously, uh, Henderson, I keep wanting to call him Tenders, Tom Henderson Tenders. <laughs> Mr. Tenders, um, he was the person who initially leaked it last year, um, you know, saying that it was uh, they were doing a whole reboot of Splinter Cell, and then it was confirmed by Ubisoft uh, afterwards. Um, he says it's still in very early production. It won't release until 2024. 
2024 at the earliest, um, but he does think that we'll get a CGI trailer quite soon. Um, it really stays just TBA, but he says expected 2024 to 2025. Um, to the point that you said, though, um, yeah, there's no way they make an actual Splinter Cell. No. They might, they might make a, another Ghost Recon Division thing, yeah. but like, there's no way. I think I was um, maybe on Christmas holidays when this was like properly announced, so mm. I didn't realize until like way after the fact uh, that it was a remake, and I was thinking, right. that makes so much sense. There's no way that they're going to take a gamble on like a, a classic Splinter <laughs> Cell in the modern climate, so why not? play the safe card, do a remake, win mm. some fans over it. So to me, it's so blatant. It's, it's like, their dead space. Yeah, yeah. it's like, it probably will be all right. Like it's it, the original Split Cell still rocks. Like if you remake that with mm. cutting edge graphics and what have you, you know, implement a really cool uh, next gen lighting system that can- The thing that's really like funny player. is like, yeah. if you go back to those games, like the feel of them, they feel like PC mods, mm. like in the best way possible. Mm. This is one of my favorite franchises, but it has nothing to do with animation. The, the things you would usually associate with a console feel like animation priority or like animation fidelity or whatever like there's it's not that those games don't have good animation but if you go back to them they just feel like like a, a character is moving in a stock environment and he's thrown in and it just feels like a, it's the way that like a PC game moves it's yeah. hard to describe but if you kind of go back to them you'll know what I mean they feel of a very specific time um, and it's that weird thing where as Splinter Cell um, became more of a console game, like, you know, along with like Chaos Theory and then all the weird run and gun stuff they did, those games sold really well. The fan base hated them, but like Blacklist obviously was brilliant, but even Conviction sold really well. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, well, and, until they said it was a remake, I wondered if that was just what Splinter Cell was now. Because um, if they release a weird remake of the original Splinter Cell that feels like a PC game from 2001 or two in 2024, like after the remake boom has passed, like Activision stuff is long gone. Um, I don't even know what the hell that is anymore. Like yeah. you know, like it's only for me and you at that point anyway. True, which is which is maybe all games should be, Scott. For me <laughs> and you, <laughs> I think I'd take that. That'll be fine. Oh my god, what would be the ultimate me and you game? Something that's really really hard. Oh. But it has like a really cutesy character in it, like yeah. like tunic, a little, little tunic fox. I think it would be like Ellie Noir if you found it fun, <laughs> like if you thought it played well. Ellie Noir with Ellie Noir with a little tunic fox. There I would be all over that to go. I would play that realistic facial animation. Just give me Rocket Raccoon. Next thing down is Skull and Bones, a game that I just I I couldn't believe this. Is it why is this still a thing? I don't know. I remember when they mentioned Skull and Bones. Um, what twenty? 14? Like, I mean, that, like, I mean, the pirate combat originated in Assassin's Creed 3. Uh, Skull and Bones got announced after Black Flag because everyone loved how much it was a bigger deal in Black Flag. Um, But yeah, so apparently this game's been through development hell, obviously. Um, Ubisoft now want it to be a multiplayer first game. There's zero combat on land, which I wasn't expecting anyway. I don't think people, maybe people were expecting that. Um, But Tenders points that out and says um, Ubisoft finally know what this game is going to be. So they know, (laughs) like, what they're going to focus on um, almost a decade later. Um, And the release date is penciled in for um, April 2022. But then he's, he's got between April 2022 and March 2023. So it's like the wider financial year, I guess. Um, thoughts on a pirate fighting game? When I said that, you know, they might as well kill Beyond Good and Evil 2 because <laughs> nobody was, well, a few people in in, in the gaming world would mm. be, you know, waiting on bated breath. Mm-hmm. Even fewer people, I hazard a guess, will be waiting on Skull I mean, and who Bones. wants this? This is the thing, man. Like, it's just... It's it's like they had an IP in mind. They were like, this mm. is going to be a franchise. And then in spite of all of the internal reboots, in spite of all of the years, the millions of dollars spent mm-hmm. on production, they're still forging ahead on it. And it's kind of like, it's just like, why? Like, yeah. uh, like it's not an established franchise right now that people are waiting on bated breath for. Even the gameplay itself, while interesting, you know, the idea of a, of a multiplayer pirate game is obviously really cool. Mm. It's not something, you know, that's at the cutting edge of 
gaming popularity right now or anything no. like that. And it just makes me think, again, why why are you still trudging along with this? It, hopefully, the answer is that there's someone in there, someone just fighting <laughs> for it, really passionate about it, wanting it to get made and overcoming all the hurdles. That would be great mm. if so, but... I don't have any proof of that at the moment. I wonder if they look at the fact that Sea of Thieves was flatlining and then came back. Like, Sea of Thieves was stronger than ever. Really good community. Really good set of DLC. Like, the, when I, the, the very little I played, I had, I had an immaculate 20 minutes with Sea of Thieves. <laughs> like, where I was like, you're scouting out different locations and you're working as a team. You're like hoisting the mizzen mast and doing whatever. All that stuff was really cool. Everyone had all the individual jobs on the ship. I know that's not what they're going for, but I wonder if like they do like a um, free to play. Everyone has their own custom ship and you're working towards all these different like battering rams and different cannon types and like there's obviously a way to pay to win to get through that but if you see some huge vessel on the horizon and you know like that's a veteran player who's been like specking everything out and you can get a reputation on the literal digital high seas yeah that might be cool um but we're so many years later that yeah. i just wonder and i i would want um to be able to invade other people's ships i would want to do the whole assassin's creed thing um and actually have like a showdown you know That'd in the middle great. of like the, the battle yeah for me, this is kind of like um, Fort Honor. Uh, yes. You know, it's a, it's a cool idea at the concept. But it's get DLC. Well, this is the thing, right? <laughs> if if we were uh, if we had waited, you know, this long for something like Fort mm. Honor, like I think no one would care. But if mm. you know, if they pulled Skull and Bones out earlier, if they managed to, you know, hit their realize what they wanted to make, you know, seven years ago, mm. and actually made it then, and then supported it over time, like we might be in a different situation, but waiting for it this long it's just kind of it's, to me this is something you need to get out quick and then improve on rather yeah. than wait this long get it out and then undoubtedly we'll have to improve on anyway <laughs> i'll be amazed if the day one build is anything close to what like you know people yeah. expect kind of thing at this stage um to rattle through a few more um x defiant has ditched its clancy branding and um, it's gonna be free to play um i didn't realize that x defiant which is their call of duty adjacent thing anyway is headed up by call of duty exec uh, x call of duty executive producer mark rubin apparently it's been developed in collaboration with various call of duty content creators according to the report um the prince of persia games are mentioned in here the sounds of time remake is mentioned again coming from ubisoft uh, mumbai i'm pretty sure it's their first game but apparently it's been overhauled considering how negative of the reaction was um, to the, uh, the the trailer that came out a couple of years ago. Um, there's also a new Prince of Persia mentioned here, but it is a 2.5D game taking inspiration from Ori, which if I was going to take inspiration from Ori, that would be like art direction, color, and movement. Like there's um, the way Ori moves in those games is liquid butter. Yeah. And I think if they can do a, um, a really slick moving Prince of Persia game in 2D, like that would be slick, I guess. Like I think that's a weird way to reboot it in a new context, but like, you know, because usually you do a remake and yes. then the new thing, if the remake is Sounds of Time, but then the actual new thing is the 2D one. I know That's a weird beat. Yeah, totally. I mean, I have played 10 minutes of Ori and I agree. It and is, you loved it. It is buttery smooth. Uh, that would be really sweet. And it's kind <laughs> of like, yeah, you get the remake and then you get this kind of like new 2.5D Prince of Persia that's maybe more of a throwback to like the, the, the old original, games, yeah, the original, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, maybe they can uh, bank on that again because if you kind of blow Prince of Persia out and mm. you make it a triple-A blockbuster experience, do you just get Assassin's Creed or something adjacent? You know Kind of. I mean? There was that uh, weird... Uh, can't, there was that footage that resurfaced last year of the, the rebooted yeah. 3D one with the, the Dark Souls-y boss fights and everything, and it's like you could go down that route, I guess. But for me, Prince of Persia is about the time mechanics and the acrobatics. Give me wall runs, give me totally. all those cool puzzles and stuff like that, which I guess you do less of in a 2D space. But um, I saw some people um, theorizing that maybe this is the return of the Ubi Art division, um, which made the Rayman games... Um, um, vagrant, oh, what the hell is that military one called? Valiant Hearts. Valiant Hearts, um, Child of Light. Like, there were all these really gorgeous, um, you know, identifiable 2D 
masterpieces in, in an art direction standpoint um, that all came from the Ubi Art Division. I would love that stuff to come back. Um, last few are The Crew 3. Apparently, it used to be called Project Orlando. People thought it was The Crew 2 DLC, but it is another full game. Huh. Um, apparently, it has a new game engine. Um, it's been overhauled a lot as well. Um, it's been in development for quite some time, and apparently, it's going to be announced later this year. Uh, Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope just has an update in regards to a 2022 release date. Um, and the um, the game director, David Soliani, saying that it's a new take on the tactical genre. Um, and the last thing is Roller Champions, a game that is... <laughs> Their kind of attempt at their Rocket League yeah. kind of thing. Um, I played the um, the the beta for it. It was horrendous. It ran like absolute s, um, and it just wasn't very satisfying to play at all. Like you're trying to, um, you know, like the weird movement system, the weird physics to the way that you are rollerblading, combined with the way you have to try and take these specific precise shots. Um, it just felt horrible. But um, Roller Champions uh, apparently is releasing in the next few months, and we should hear about it shortly. The release date is 2022. What do you think of where Ubisoft are at with um, all these things? You know, it's funny. You look at these in totality. You look at the mm. full write-up, and I just kind of think uh, there's there's no surprises <laughs> here. It's so safe. The The franchises that safe. I do like are being transformed into something that I, I do not jive with whatsoever. Mm. Uh, you know, there's nothing here that gets me, you know, incredibly excited or optimistic about the future of the company creatively. Um, it's I, I'm down on it. I'm down on it, Scott Telford. <laughs> I don't I don't feel good about it whatsoever. But I'm down. Do you on like it. safe bets? Because that's, that's it. And yeah. you know, it's it's kind of like you know, Tom Henderson is, is is revealed this stuff now. But if I kind of like sat down and watched a two hour Ubisoft forward mm. of all of these back to back, I mean, there might be something in there that wins me over. Yeah. But just looking at the kind of games and the description of it there, like that would be a tough show to sit through for me, for yours. Truly. I think it needs, like, it's just that thing of, like, I I still think the jury's out on whether a mass audience likes or doesn't like this overall push towards bankable IP. I don't know if the average person sees the thing that they know and is excited by it or sees the thing they know from decades ago and, and goes, okay, like, yeah, I know what that is. Like, I think that's, because well, that's everywhere right now. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. For me, I don't think it's the... IPs themselves, that's mm. the problem. I don't think anyone's kind of looking and thinking, oh, another Ghost Recon. I think it's what's being done with them. Yeah. It's, it's either, on one hand, oh, I know exactly what that's going to be. That's just going to be another installment mm. of X. Or it's, what have they done to my boy? Look yes. how they butchered it. <laughs> uh, you know, you see kind of like, still like the Prince of Persia um, remake. That's that's cool, mm. but it's like we were saying, you know, I know what it is. I yeah. was less excited for Splinter Cell because I realized it was a remake and I'm sure I'll enjoy it, but I know what that's going to be. Well, that's, that's always the thing. Like, all they're going to do is try especially with legendary games it's like remake them try and get back up to how they felt when they dropped in the first place but a lot of that excitement was born out of the fact that they were fresh in the moment all you're ever doing is chasing a ghost of what it was in the first place yeah so yeah i i mean like some of the like immortals getting a sequel is sick like i like the idea if the ubi art stuff is true um for like, like a prince of persia ori game that looks gorgeous and moves gorgeous i get get that would be sweet i mean they did a two 2D version of Prince of Persia back in the day anyway. Yeah. Um, to sort of go alongside the Sands of Time stuff. So, I don't know. Ubisoft are a very safe company. And, um, yeah, I would rather they take more creative risks. But, like, <sighs> at least in terms of game mechanics, it's satisfying know, enough. You know, a few years ago where they kind of delayed Watch Dogs Legion and they delayed... Keep I forgetting that they happened, but yeah. Might have even delayed... Mortal's Phoenix Rise. And right. Anyway, the point was that they delayed a bunch of games because they were looking at them and saying, you know, these aren't good enough. They're not innovative enough. We need to do something different. What <laughs> I was saying earlier about, you know, the, the kind of creative approach changing. It's just I, ca I can't fathom that they delayed those games for those reasons and went... 
these are the these are the solutions. <laughs> Live services, NFTs, battle royale. Well, that's the thing. I also don't know how you look at how much their NFT push bombed. Like there was, it was only like fourteen people trading on that marketplace, and um, and like and then go, we're going to develop a whole game around it, and it's battle royale. And it's like I get that you've got a whole bunch of money men just interlocking their fingers, going like, yeah, this is how this is how business works. But like none of these things are going to work. Like yeah. in that regard, I mean, um, ooh, yeah. ooh, uh, you, <laughs> <laughs> you look at the kind of like, the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but hyperscape that. Was Ubisoft, wasn't it? Good God, yeah, that's you, shut down. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. talk about uh, like the, the the rollerball game, and I just see so <laughs> many. I look at X Defined, and I just see so many hyperscapes. I just see so many of those on the totally. horizon that don't even have a chance, and that sucks because people are spending so much time working on these games, and I want them to be good, and for that time to be payoff. If there's one thing that the average person can detect, it's when they are being pandered to, and yeah. when uh, when they're being sold a very formulaic thing that doesn't do anything new. I think that's why the general like buzz isn't there for these games. Like yes, they're new IP, which is something that I crave. I crave new things, but they're not new. It's mm. a new it's a new name, but everything else is the most like basic tick boxy synthetic spreadsheet you could have put together. I'm going to thread this into a reference that you might not get, Scott. But I was watching a video last night on a YouTuber called Todd in the Shadows, right? Who okay. reviews one hit Wonderlands. And he was talking about in the <laughs> 70s, uh, there was this one dude who kind of like sung a load of songs. And instead of like giving him a solo career, they just took those songs and invented a band around the songs. <laughs> and that's what I think of, of when I see these new franchises like right. X Defiant, like, you know, Roller Hyperscape or whatever. It's like, we We've seen this formula before. We've seen this game before, and you're just whacking on a new title yeah. uh, to try and sell it as new. But it's it's we know what it is. It's yeah. not new. Like you said, it's we're being pandered to. It's very much in uh, the zeitgeist at the moment. Well, X Defiant is literally Call of Duty meets Overwatch. Like right. it is literally the hood is from Overwatch. The gameplay feel looks like it's from Call of Duty. Like that is you can see what they did to make that game. And um, but yeah, Ubisoft are in a hell of a place, and um, we'll revisit them in the future. This is just the report that broke. Um, I think this morning or late last night, uh, UK time. Um, but we'll talk about Ubisoft going forward because in theory, this show will happen and then we'll actually get to see some of these things. And then we can talk about the reality of where these IPs are at uh, once they have some visuals alongside. But for now, this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tailford. Joined. 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 By Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.